to many around the globe, transforming lives into legacy. Living Word with Pastor Mensah Otoki. And now, today's word. I'm concluding my message, the series I've been doing on living in expectancy. So, living in expectancy, this is part five, and my subtitle is Staying Focused. All of us have expectancy. We have things that we want to see happen in our lives. We have things that we are praying God will make happen. We have things that we believe deep in our hearts that God wants to do for us. That's your expectation. That's the expectancy. And we've talked about different things you do when you are living in expectancy. And today I'm touching on one of the most critical, staying focused, not losing your focus. So we go to the Bible to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and I sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Focus is one of the most important disciplines we must develop as we look at our expectations in life. And throughout the Bible, we find people who focused on what God had called them to do. We find a person like Noah, who had one focus to build an ark. And for 120 years, he labored to build an ark. And that's focus. That's not losing direction. We look at Abraham, who was told to leave his father's house to a land that he would be shown. And for decades, he stayed focused, looking for that land and seeking for that child that God had promised him. We look at Joseph, who focused on the dream that God gave him as a child. He knew that he would become something great. But much of his life, things were not working well, but he focused on his dream and became the person God called him to be. Moses focused on the assignment to liberate his people from Pharaoh's tyranny. David focused on honoring God's name among the nations. Esther focused on deliverance for her people. John the Baptist focused on preparing the way for Christ. Apostle Paul focused on preaching Christ to the ends of the world. Each one of these people were ordinary. They were just like us. But they achieved consequential things. Things that even after they are dead, we talk about at this time. And the reason why they were ordinary but did these extraordinary things was because they kept their focus. And if we're going to do things in this life, then we have to also learn to keep our focus. Because as you work towards your expectation, you're going to be faced with a lot of distractions, things that want to take you away one way or the other so that you never get to the place you want to get to. So when you look at the passage we read in Hebrews chapter 12, there are three things that the passage says we should focus on. First, 
is that we focus on Jesus. Why do we focus on Jesus? Because he begins and finishes with us. He's our example. Whatever he starts, he's able to complete. And why must we focus on Jesus? Because, you know, each one of us have people we look up to. Sometimes it's somebody who made you a promise or somebody you're expecting to make life better for you. If you have a boss, you're hoping that he'll promote you. If you have somebody who is rich, you're hoping that one day he'll give you money to capitalize your business. And sometimes as we focus on people, they will disappoint us. Somebody is going to disappoint you. Somebody is going to let you down. And many times when people let us down, we let ourselves down also. We stop doing whatever we're doing because, you know, somebody said they would do something for us and they didn't do it. And that's why our focus must always be on Jesus. He's the one who never lets us down. He's the one who never fails. And what he starts with us, he's able to complete. He's the beginning and the end, the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the one who starts with us and ends with us. If you want to start well and end well, keep your eye on Jesus. Keep your focus on him. And don't take your focus off him. No matter what people have promised you, no matter what anybody said they would do to you or for you, keep your eyes on Jesus. Because sooner or later, somebody will disappoint you. Sooner or later. But keep your eye on Jesus. The second thing we must focus on is we must focus on our journey. Concentrate on the race that is before us. Run with endurance the race that is set before you. Because if you don't focus on your race and on your journey, you'll be very disappointed. You will look at what other people are doing and it can either aggravate you or sometimes make you very bitter, jealous, envious because they are doing things you can't do. And there are people who sometimes have quit the race of life because they didn't focus on their journey. Remember, in life, we don't run the same race. The race is different. David became consequential at the age of 17. He took down Goliath. That's a massive thing to do, to come to the national scene at the age of 17. Moses started his mission at 80. Each one of them have a different race. One starts at 17, the other at 80. The fact that somebody starts earlier and you start later doesn't mean you are late. Focus on your journey. Don't let people and their success and their achievement make you look down on yourself, despise yourself, belittle your own effort. I remember, you know, when I was a young parent and, you know, you never know how to parent until you become a parent. And our first daughter was born. You know, life was no stress. I was just managing her. She got to about two years old. I didn't know that by two years old, children should say ABCD. I didn't know that. I'm just happy with my child until one day I was in church, our church. And somebody brought her daughter to see me and said, oh, write ABCD for pastor. So this girl started writing ABCD in the sun. ABCD, 
And she's like, A, B, C, D, E. And I said, how old is she? Two years. I said, what? What's happening? My daughter is two years. She doesn't even know what A means. And I went home. I remember I went home so very, very tensed. And I started teaching her A, B, C. You have to say it. You have to write it. I was tracing it. And she was just looking at me like a crazy man. She's wondering, what is going on with you? And I, I was so worried. I said, is she slow? Is she going to be slow? Is, what kind of child is this? She can't trace A, B, C, D. And her mates are tracing A, B, C, D. But you know, that child has grown and she has done very well for herself. Yes, she may not know how to write A, B, C, D at two years. It doesn't mean for the rest of their lives they can write A, B, C, D. Because sometimes in life we look at the race of other people. Somebody marries and within nine months a baby pops up. Sometimes before nine months, baby pops up. Those are miracle babies. <laughs> Supernatural. They pop up, and then you marry one year, two years, five years, ten years, you know, and then maybe 20 years you have your baby. And then you look at it and you wonder, is my child always going to be late? Are they going to be behind? No, sir, no, ma'am. That's not how it works. You focus on your race. Somebody starts early doesn't mean they will be ahead of you. Somebody starts late, it doesn't mean they'll be behind. You go to a classroom, there are children who are first, and there are children who are last. That's the stark reality of life. When you are the speech and prize giving day, clapping for your children, there are other parents who are sitting there saying, hmm, when will I ever clap? Because there will always be a child who is last. <laughs> Just praise not yours, but there will always be a child. With the good news is that Jesus Christ is the first and the last. He's the beginning and the end. If your child is last, it doesn't mean there'll be lasting life. I've grown enough in life to see people who in school were, their head was dead, as we say in Ghana. And then later on, you encounter them 40 years. And you wonder, what happened? And the one whose head was alive, we can't find them. So the Bible says, focus on the race that is set before you. Don't complain. Don't try to be like somebody else. Don't compare. Just do what you have to do. Stay in your lane. Deal with life. If life gave you hardship, deal with it. If it gave you difficulty, deal with it. Because in life, you know, things don't work always the, the way it is, you know. Some people have to walk 10 miles to go to school barefoot. Others ride Mercedes-Benz, air-conditioned, to go to school. It doesn't mean that 20 years, 30 years from now, the guy will still be walking. Because what I've seen is people who walk far sometimes go very far. So focus on your race. You're not too late. God has got you. God is with you. He's the author and the finisher of your faith. Focus on your race. And the third thing, focus on the reward. God has a good end for his people. 
He says, Jesus Christ, for the joy of what was ahead of him, he endured the cross. Focus on your reward. A student who is learning must keep their focus on the opportunity that education will open for them later in life. Especially if you're learning mathematics or chemistry or physics and it's cracking your brains and your brain can't just get it. Don't say, oh, because I won't, I won't learn again. You have to learn because you can think of the opportunity that education will open to you. Once you lose the reward, you can't endure the pain. Keep your mind on the reward. The marriage is tough, but keep your mind on the reward. Life is hard. Keep your mind on the reward. Business is suffering. Keep your mind on the reward. Think of the good thing that God wants to do and stay your mind on it. There are four things that sometimes fight us and keep us from getting to where we're supposed to get to. They distract us, four of those things. The first one is warfare. Warfare has to do with battles. When your life is one fight over the other, you think you finish one fight, another one opens up. Seems as if your whole life is a battle. And sometimes life is like that, you know, it looks like you enter a season of battles and everything is hard and everything requires effort. And just when you think you're coming out, something else hits you. And sometimes if you're not careful, those battles will make you lose your focus. So when you get through battles, remember the Lord is with you and keep fighting on. For all you know, those battles carry greater reward of victory than the pain of the battle. Stay in the battle. Stay in the fight. Last week I talked a lot about it, so I'm not going to belabor it. Stay in the battle. Don't let a battle or warfare distract you. Second thing that you should watch out for is your pain, your hurts, offenses, wounds. You're going to be wounded. If you live on this planet, somebody's going to hurt you. The, good, the thing about life is all of us offend somebody and all of us are offended by somebody. There are people who think you've offended them. There are people who think you are the worst human being on earth. And there are people you also think are the worst human beings on earth. The reality is that we are all fallen human beings. Nobody is perfect and we mess up each other's life. So if you live on planet Earth, somebody is going to mess up your plan. Somebody will mess up your agenda. Something is going to offend you. Somebody is going to hurt you. Hurts are going to come. Pain will come. Life is not easy. Life is hard. But you have to stick it out and stick in there so that when you get wounded and are hurt, you don't withdraw and go and hide in a cave. That's the thing most people do. They're so hurt. Now, they don't want to go out. They don't want to be anywhere because people are hurting me. Wherever I go, people hurt me. So, so you're going to hide. You're going to let them win. You're going to be in the cave. You're going, not going to dream again because somebody hurt you. Because you got disappointed. No, sir. No, ma'am. Wounds are there. But the Lord is our healer. The Lord is our restorer. The Lord is our strength. When people wound you and hurt you, know to go to God and say, Lord, I've been bruised 
but heal me. Heal my mind. Heal my emotion. Heal my fears. Elijah went through a process like that and he went to hide in a cave. The man who stands on the platform and does wonderful things is hiding in a cave because he's just hurt. And God came to him, and I, I like the way the questions God asks in the Bible. He says, what are you doing here? <laughs> he said, hey, my man, Mr. Man, what are you doing there? And Elijah said, ah, Lord, I've been faithful, and I've done your work, and people don't appreciate it, and I'm hiding in the cave. He says, get out! I'm sending you on another journey. God has no sympathy. <laughs> oh, you think, you think if God was, was, was your boss, he would have sympathy for you? No, God has no sympathy for weaknesses like that. When you are hiding in the cave, he says, get out. People have hurt me, and so get out. I have an assignment for you. Go and do it. Because you will be hurt. Mark it on the wall. You will be hurt. You will be offended. And you will offend. And you will hurt people. Everybody does both. You get hurt, and we hurt. Somebody will be offended by you. You wear your nice top hat today, walking around and walking nicely as a man, and somebody says, and so what? And so what? <laughs> and somebody can come and tell you and say, your dress is not nice. You know, there are, there are people like that, they will just have courage. Yeah, look at you, you, So who do you think you are? Even your thing is not nice. And you can go through the whole of the afternoon and say, wow, why did she tell me that? She said it. Or he said it. The point is, what are you going to do about it? Is it going to change your focus? Is it going to make you go to a cave? Is it going to make you hide? Is it going to drive you into quietness? Step out there. The world is looking for you. The world needs you. You have something to offer to the world. Move out! Third thing that distracts us, wandering, when we lose direction. Because sooner or later, you're going to lose direction in life. We don't always know what to do. You know, you may be working somewhere, and then one day, for whatever reason, you just say, I quit. I'm going to do great things. And you try to do those great things that you quit to do, and the great things are not great. <laughs> and failure is now chasing after you. And all of a sudden, you don't have a job. What you wanted to do is not working. And then you move from one thing to the other, so your life becomes wandering. Your experimentation, you do this a little, you drop it, do this a little, you drop it, do that a little, you drop it. And before you realize, you don't know where you are going. Where am I going? Sometimes you can look at your life for five years and you can't tell what you're doing with your life. It's a lot of activity, a lot of movement, but you don't know where you're going. You're wandering. No focus. Because no focus, no expectation met. And when you find yourself wandering, you have to go to the way maker. You have to go to God and you have to ask him for wisdom and direction for your life. Or you have to seek counsel from somebody and say, listen, just counsel me. And some counsel you receive may take a lot of courage and humility for you to get back on the road. Because if you don't find a road and you keep wandering, you'll be lost for a very long time. You'll be lost for a very long time. And you waste a lot of precious years. 
Don't let pride and arrogance keep you wandering and wandering and wandering and not finding your way. God wants to give you direction. He wants to give you guidance. Let his Holy Spirit guide you. And the fourth thing that can distract us is waiting. Delayed expectation. Something's supposed to happen, it doesn't happen. It's supposed to happen, it doesn't happen. None of us likes waiting. I don't know about you, I don't like waiting. We don't like waiting for food. We don't like waiting for a program to come on, on TV, when we are eager. We don't like waiting, I don't like waiting. You're going to see somebody in the office, they say, wait. We don't like waiting. Waiting gets most of us irritated. But the thing about life is that we have to wait sometimes. If you get pregnant, you have to wait for nine months. You can't say, this, this baby, oh, come out. In the name of Jesus, you have to wait. Your stomach will get big. Your back is bent like a sea. But you have to wait. And until the baby says, I'm coming, you have to wait. And sometimes the promises of God require waiting. Abraham waited for decades. Noah waited. You have to wait. And sometimes in waiting, we get very exasperated and we do silly things. We lose focus. We don't know what to do. And our expectation doesn't happen. So watch out for these four things as you're working towards your expectation. Warfare, wounds, wandering, and waiting. That's why we keep our focus, keep our hearts and our minds on Jesus Christ. Psalm 84, that's my last scripture. Psalm 84, verse 5 to 7. Blessed is this man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one be, appears before God in Zion. Note verse 5. A person whose heart is set on pilgrimage. That means a person whose heart is focused. He has a focused heart. And the Bible says his strength is in the Lord. The heart is focused. It's set on a pilgrimage. On a journey. A heart that says, this is where I'm going. This is what I want to do. This is what I want to achieve. Your heart is set on pilgrimage. Your heart is focused. Your heart is fixed. And God wants us to have hearts that are set on a pilgrimage. What is the journey you are on? What is the purpose you are working towards? What is your heart driving itself to? Blessed is the person whose heart is set on pilgrimage. Blessed is the person who is focused. Blessed is the person who stays on track. Stay on track. Don't get distracted. You know, in my ministry, I have been teaching. I started teaching the Word of God from around 1979. And I have taught the Word of God. I preach almost the same style I use now is what I've used for 
over 45 years. And I've done it the same thing. People have come and I've done all kinds of things. But all I've done is do what I'm doing and set my heart on pilgrimage. Because you're going to come and somebody says, Pastor, we are now doing deliverance. We have to do deliverance. So people must vomit. Oh, people must vomit. Oh. I said, they won't vomit. I'm going to come and I'm going to teach point one, point two, point three. Next year, point one, point two, point three. Next year, point one, point two, point three. Why? My heart is set on a pilgrimage. Somebody's church may be growing. That's not my deal. My deal is know what God has planted in your heart and stick with it. Because a lot of us spend life copying, changing, vacillating. One moment this, next moment that. One moment this, next moment that. Just stay. I've called myself a pastor for all these years. Teacher, I'm not going to get into bishop. I'm not going to be archbishop. I won't be a cardinal. I'm not going to be a prophet. Take whatever title. I know my heart is set on a pilgrimage. I'm not going to do something because it's popular now or it was popular. I'm just going to stay on track. Listen. Stay on track. There must be something you are focused on. And the passage says when we stay on track, when a heart is Focus, two things will happen. The first, he says that they will transfer the negative. They will make the valley spring. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. What is the valley of Baca? The Hebrew word for tears is Baca. As they go through the valley of tears, as they go through pain, as they encounter hardship, the person whose heart is focused will transform the valley of Baca and make it a spring. In other words, when your heart is focused, no matter what valley you go through, the hardship that life throws against you, you will overcome it. Because their heart is set on pilgrimage. They go through the valley of Baca. Everybody has their valley of Baca. Some sit in the valley of Baca. Some die in the valley of Baca. But the person whose heart is fixed and focus. They go through what everybody is going through, but they go through the valley of Baca. And not only that, the valley becomes a spring of water. In the place of weakness, they find strength. And that's what God wants you to have. That in the time when life is hard, you will be strong because your heart is fixed. Your heart is fixed. You look into the Lord, you know, running around. Today they say, go somewhere and go and pray. Somebody said, go and do this, go and look at somebody said, go and drink this, go and drink that, wash with this, wash your face with that, oil your head with this, and you get up in the morning, you, you change it, you are watching every prophet this, prophet that, prophet. you think in the multitude of prophets you are saved. All that it shows, your heart is not fixed. You are not focused, you don't know what you're looking for in life, you are doing try and error. But when your heart is fixed on the Lord, in the valley of Baca, there will be springs of water. The second thing it says about those whose hearts are focused is that they increase in power. They go from strength to strength. Why? Their heart is set on pilgrimage and they go from strength to strength. There is something about focus that makes you very strong. Have you noticed people who 
work out, those who work out their body. If a guy decides he's going to build his arms, he starts using barbells, increases the weight, and is doing all these flexes with the barbells. Pretty soon, their shoulder pops up. They have bulky shoulders, bulky biceps, bulky arms. But if they don't train anything else, then they are, all the other places will be very tiny. So tiny legs, but bulky, you know, Popeye. You know, and there are people who train their legs, but don't train anything else. Whatever you focus on will get stronger and stronger. That's what it means. Whatever you focus on, you get stronger and stronger. The person whose heart is set on a pilgrimage gets stronger and stronger. So, Father, we thank you for all that we have learned in this series. I pray for every member, everyone here, that, Lord, you bring your people to the place of fulfillment, fulfillment of expectation, that the people of God will not just have an expectation, but they would receive the fulfillment of the expectation. Grant strength to your people. Let them grow from strength to strength. Let them be like a person on a pilgrimage. And Father, bring us to the place where you have appointed for us. As men and women, may we become all that you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Living Word. To interact with Pastor Mensah Otebi, like his page on Facebook. Follow him on Twitter at Mensah Otebi. Email otebi at centralgospel.com or call plus 233-302-688-000.